Hello and welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers, the Geek Whisperer. Joining us today, we have Jamie Q and Davide Toure from Studio Zal. forward um, to talking to them a bit more to understand how would they translate a eight-hour or three-day innovation experience into something that people can do online because I would imagine in their line of work um, they have to do these kind of immersive experiences all the time and I'm really personally very much interested to understand how they they've been able to translate that into, a, into an online gig instead. Yeah, and I think, you know, our, our previous episodes, we focus very much around uh, entrepreneurship, uh, unsurprisingly. But uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking all about intrapreneurship. So how can you innovate from inside, you know, a larger company? So going to be slightly different to our usual subjects, which I think is going to make it a really interesting conversation. Coming on to the show, Davide and Jamie, um, can you please tell us a little bit about your specific personal journeys as entrepreneurs so far? Yes, so I'll start. My name is Davide Turi. I'm founding partner of Studio Tao. Um, my background is in venture building and entrepreneurship. So as a venture builder, I've been guiding hundreds of early stage entrepreneurs in the journey from an initial idea to being investment ready and helping them raise millions in seed and pre-seed funds. And I also co-founded a number of startups myself, and I have a small exit. Uh, and, and as an entrepreneur, I've been working for large organizations for uh, 15 years. So I've, I, I, must, I would say I've seen both sides of innovation, the dark side and the bright side. And you, you, you decide which one is what. And so I have been launching uh, award-winning and sometimes commercially successful new tech products for uh, large organizations. Um, so that, that's my background. That's me, Davide. Cool. I guess it's my turn. Um, so uh, I'm Jamie. I'm the, um, I'm the other half of Studio Zao, the other uh, founding and uh, managing partner for Studio Zao. And I've also been uh, in this innovation and entrepreneurship space for uh, about 12 years now. Um, and my experience that led me to to kind of working on intrapreneurship uh, or internal entrepreneurship within large organizations um, has been one where I've experienced being an entrepreneur first and foremost uh, many years ago when I was uh, at the founder of a tech startup in the education space um, back in 2009 and 10 when ed tech was still um so not really a thing. And when you went about telling people it's sort of like a social network for learning, you would still get oohs and ahs. So it was still very, very early um, in that respect. Um, but then uh, I really explored entrepreneurship through personal experience um, from working at EY, Ernst & Young. Um, like many 
self-respecting graduates of the London School of Economics, you end up working in either banking or consulting or law, or one of these kind of fields. And I, I couldn't escape that. So I, I worked in consulting and UI for, for about five years. Um, and while I was there, my main focus was actually being an entrepreneur. Um, I, I was the founder and director of the Startup Accelerator for, for EY, um, which was something that didn't exist before and took a lot of uh, work and a lot of um, internal uh, planning and strategizing uh, engagement with startups and entrepreneurs as well to eventually create it and launch it and run three accelerator programs. Um, so, so my experience as an entrepreneur um, creating something new from within uh, a large organization like UI uh, made me appreciate how it can be similar, but often quite different to, to entrepreneurship. Um, and then when I left UI and I was uh, working still in this innovation entrepreneurship space, um, managing further innovation accelerator programs in the Middle East as well, uh, I realized that actually the opportunity and, and where my real calling was, was to help continue to help organizations with internal entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship. Um, so uh, we teamed up with Davide and then the rest was history, as they say. Mm, really interesting. I mean, so we so far in this series, we've spoken to a lot of you know entrepreneurs that have founded the companies that are based inside the Bradfield. Uh, but you guys have obviously... Uh, focused more on entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, sorry, with Studio Zal. So why don't we kind of dig a little bit deeper into that? And, and why don't you kind of explain uh, the challenges that face large organizations to remain kind of innovative and how they can be more agile and, and how you help them achieve those things? Sure. So I mean, I'll, I'll start this off. I'll say a few things um, and then I'll, I'll pass the baton over to, to Davide to to kind of pick up things that I probably have missed out. Um, I, I think entrepreneurship is a fairly new phrase um, in the grand scheme of things. Many people have heard it now, but it's probably not, not as uh, well known as the word entrepreneurship, of course, um, or, or innovation even. Um, although what entrepreneurship is, is the kind of sort of uh, simple definition is um, entrepreneurial activity from from within an organization right within an established organization often um, drawing on the resources the networks um, and the capabilities that this larger organization already has to be able to fuel these new entrepreneurial endeavors that are inherently um, maybe more risk-taking in nature um, and exploring new propositions and new value propositions that the organization may not already have so um, entrepreneurship is sort of like this, but ultimately entrepreneurship is um, about helping larger organizations to, to innovate, right? Um, most organizations who invest in this space are ones that want to, uh, to, to continuously adapt and stay current and be future-proof and to continuously um, employ uh, maybe emerging resources and technologies and emerging business models to capture new value in the market and, and, and new white space as they emerge um, and kind of stay ahead of the curve. Um, and one of the ways that they can effectively do this is to look into um, how to activate and leverage and harness internal entrepreneurial talent and internal entrepreneurial capability to, to do that. Yes, that's, that's interesting because uh, after having worked with a, um, quite a, 
an interesting number of, of clients uh, from sportwear from to entertainment from healthcare to manufacturing uh, and also from our past experience we've been able to come up with a with a framework which is uh, basically listing what are the five elements that make uh, an organization ready to foster entrepreneurship and these five, 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 five elements are talent so uh, uh, being able to have the talent with the skills uh, uh, to be an entrepreneur uh, the environment so the cultural norms and ways of working that enable entrepreneurial uh, people to unleash their the attitude, uh, governance and financing. So in which way uh, the strategy is defined and portfolio of initiatives are, are organized, uh, but also in which way uh, uh, the entrepreneurs are um, rewarded and the methodology is being used. So for example, if companies are able to use uh, methodologies like in startup design thinking, uh, or say speculative design, and finally technology, where if there are tangible tools within an organization, being able to structure insights available and guide entrepreneurs to their journey to systematically de-risk uh, an, an idea while it's implemented within the, within the business they work for. So can you can you tell us a little bit more about your um a view on entrepreneurship in general and what can companies do to foster entrepreneurship in their own companies? Perhaps, you know, with regards to the side of the question that talks about what can companies do, if you have some, perhaps some specific actions or tips uh, or suggestions that you, you might, uh, might, might um, say that they could, could, uh, could take, uh, that'd be quite interesting from my perspective. Yeah. So first of all, uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs uh, have a lot in common. They all uh, share creativity, passion, uh, relentless uh, vi uh, vision. Um, so they actually have quite more in common than actually separates them. However, what makes entrepreneurs different from entrepreneurs is that entrepreneurs work within an existing organization. And so by doing that, uh, they get some perks. Uh, which is uh, uh, being able to uh, uh, share your objectives and your goals with senior management and possibly get some guidance, uh, but also getting access to resources that enable them to uh, make the vision a reality. Let's think about being an entrepreneur. You start by yourself. You don't you don't have more, almost anything. While working within a large organization, you get access to existing partners, existing suppliers, existing marketing insights, existing access to, to the market, which you wouldn't be able to do as an entrepreneur. But also, and I think it's, this is probably one of the most attractive things, especially these days, entrepreneurs um, have a lot of safety nets. So they're not by themselves. Uh, if they are uh, embedded into a structure able to uh, let them flourish. They actually work as an entrepreneur but by having a salary, having a salary, a salary kind of guaranteed every, every month, which is something that entrepreneurs, especially at the very early stage, can, cannot, really, cannot really hope to have. Uh, what companies can do? Well, first of all, uh, the, the, key, the key step to start is to recognize entrepreneurial talent. So within existing organizations, there, is, there are always people 
with an entrepreneurial attitude. Most of the time, these people, they are forced to express this attitude uh, externally. So they, they launch what we call side hustles. So in entrepreneurial initiatives that they do on a side, maybe because they want to get, get some additional money, but mostly because they have the urge of expressing themselves from an entrepreneurial way, which cannot find uh, a feasible way in the, within the company they work for. So first of all, is uh, an objective for any line manager, but especially for uh, the, the people managing resources, so HR, learning and development people, to recognize the talent, so to spot them, and then to make sure they are connected and empowered, perhaps by running programs uh, where they can uh, learn the basics of the tools and start exploring some innovative idea. Yeah. I, I'd just also add that um, some of the things that we've, we've noticed uh, from, from experience through engaging with organizations about this topic, I mean, there's, not, there's never really a one-size-fits-all. You know, one um, those principles that Davide just mentioned are, are, are super key. Um, and but they need to come in different shapes and forms for for different organizations. Some organizations are more ahead because they have accepted um, the imperative for them to innovate already quite strongly, um, and their mindset is already in that direction. Some organizations maybe not there yet, um, and some organizations come at this innovation question from more of a people-focused standpoint um, and others from from more of a sort of a tools or technology or external partnerships um, standpoint um, so it for, for us when we think about entrepreneurship in how it's actually um, going to drive value for organizations and and you know make an impact on on the top or bottom line um, ultimately it's it starts with a, a recognition um, from the organization themselves of why they need to to change. What what is the burning platform for them to innovate? Um, whereas let's say previously, before this lockdown, before the pandemic, um, this question was often quite quite difficult. Um, there were there were always a number of reasons why their markets were being disrupted and changing, and then they needed to invest in um, innovation related activities. But um, uh, now, you know, I, I feel like many organisations realise, especially if they're in an industry that's been um, disproportionately affected by this pandemic that more than ever they they need to transform um, and this business transformation uh, or organizational change um, the need for that is really at the heart of where entrepreneurship can can have its um, have its heyday as it were um, we we often talk about uh, innovation and this sort of innovation innovative organizational change as a as a practice right um, all of these methods around lean startup design thinking that Davide mentioned, um, it, these are techniques and, and methods that need to be practiced and worked on over time. Um, and often organizations uh, kind of miss this point that just like practicing you know, an instrument, you need to be able to do that over and over again and practice it to the point that eventually you will be able to get it right more often than not in the first or second times. So um, this kind of mantra around fail fast and you know learn from your mistakes, really you do that so that eventually you can fail not so many times and get it right sooner or later. 
um, but it takes a while of practicing and, and that capability to practice and to experiment is at the heart of it something that's quite people driven um, and at the heart of it that process is something we believe intrapreneurs um, can help organizations do and so over time they will build this capability to be able to innovate more effectively to be able to uh, continuously identify market opportunities and threats and be able to test their uh, propositions and uh, launch new experiments to create propositions that can um, help them capitalize on those opportunities and mitigate those threats um, and sometimes radically different uh, so it is a capability we believe and that's why uh, entrepreneurship is so key to to innovation for large organizations uh, i mean that's really interesting i mean like you guys i've spent a fair amount of time in corporate as well as startup environments so you know kind of similar to what you described seeing it from both sides and you've triggered a, a number of questions in my head so i'll just kind of fire a couple at you um is the change that you guys drive always it for want of a better term radical or do you always look at kind of do you also look at improving things like companies you know pro new product development processes and fine-tuning what they already have yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I've, it's not always radical, right? Well, I, I think the, the easiest way to say this is it's precisely because um, this change is a journey that you can't really go from uh, a situation where the organization isn't quite as mature in its entrepreneurship innovation capability to all of a sudden um, trying to tackle the hardest, often the hardest and most ambiguous end of the innovation spectrum, which is the radical breakthrough transformative innovation. Because on, with that type of innovation, you're often trying to employ emerging business model uh, formats, emerging technologies to tackle um, emerging customer niches uh, and customer needs. So there's a lot of ambiguity in that space that you need to be super clear about how you validate and how you clarify um, systematically and that systematically part that system requires practice so um, jumping straight from a situation where you haven't done so much of that practice all the way through to you know doing the radical can be quite tough you know if i was to say to um, a six-year-old who's just started to learn the piano go, go and play a piece of uh, chopin right they're, they're probably going to say i've <laughs> no idea where to start so it, it's kind of like that um, Whereas what we say for organizations to, let's say, get their head around um, this organizational journey, this change, perhaps the starting point are more sort of looking at quick wins. Um, and, and quick wins can vary from, you know, organization to organization or industry to industry. Um, but, but they often come in the form of uh, questions like, how can we do this faster, cheaper, better? How can we uh, do this uh, maybe 10 times faster, cheaper, better, um, rather than how can we create entirely new markets and propositions um, and, you know, charge for that value in entirely new ways. So quite grounded and practical as well as kind of strategic big picture stuff. Yeah, I, I, I like to think so. Um, you know, the, for, for organizations that do want to get immediate or sh or more quickly value from radical investments, radical innovation side, um, you know, that, that is something where they may choose to go down the 
partner or buy sort of route where they may buy in a startup or acquire a, a, a capability, um, or, or they may choose to partner with uh, you know, a super innovative um, technology startup to, to test new things. But, but the trade-off with all of that is um, how do you integrate that back into the core business if it proves successful? Yeah, well, that was actually going to be my kind of next question was, you know, how do you avoid that trap of you have a really impactful short-term project um, versus having kind of long-term cultural impact and actually, you know, seeing that change adopted by the organization for the long term? I think it's important. This is a key part of what we do. Uh, there are certain innovation consultants that you know, they deploy a number of resources and they do everything for you and then they leave. And you got, you got the result, but in the end, as an employee, you haven't learned anything. And, and that's not enabling organizations to uh, be able to replicate an innovation journey themselves, uh, which is quite a shame because uh, ultimately uh, you're not creating value. Uh, so what we, what we do is we help individuals, we empower individuals to become entrepreneurs. And, and while doing this, uh, they deliver innovation results, but at the same time, they do it themselves. So they learn by doing. And so we combine a learning and development, and development approach with uh, an innovation, innovation outcomes. And, and I would say this is probably the key of our proposition, the key of what we do, and also the key in what we believe uh, uh, as, as founders of this organization to generate long lasting value and creating a, an immediate out, uh, innovation outcome alongside uh, alongside um, a cultural change, which is something creating capabilities for an organization to not only to survive but to thrive in the future. Yeah, that that, that what you just what Davide just said around um, uh, making that impact last longer effectively, right? So enabling the organization to be able to continue to do this. Um, there's an interesting kind of angle that we've really come to realize through this lockdown period, which is the um, virtue in virtual remote approaches to innovation uh, programs and, and, and deliveries. So if you think about the problem that um, many kind of uh, learning and development or HR leaders may have had around uh, any sort of training, not even just innovation training, but um, particularly the type of training experiences where it's actually more about the taking part, the participation, the experience, the um, some of the more intangible uh, kind of benefits. It, you, you go there, you do it. It's a time boxed exercise of maybe one or two or three days. Um, you're in a different environment. It's amazing. You meet new people, super creative, super high energy. You leave feeling on top of the world, and then on Monday morning, you're back at your desk, right? That kind of Monday morning back at the desk feeling, uh, we, we've heard this so many times from clients saying, how do we, how do we deal with this? How do we traverse that kind of this, this chasm? <laughs> because that's what kills sometimes a lot of the, the progress that they've learned from the previous week. So th th the fact is, um, actually, doing remote uh, and digital and virtual um, innovation could, could actually be the answer. Um, it, it's something that we've been uh, designing and thinking about, but um, we realized that 
trying to replicate what is often the uh, an in-person experience completely digitally using digital tools um, that maybe many organizations thought about you know when when um, the, the sort of lockdown happened uh, immediately after the lockdown that mimicking of the real life experience doesn't always work out you can't be on a zoom call for eight hours straight like you would be on a workshop for eight hours straight one day um, but what you can do which is the opportunity of digital is actually stretch out and design a more uh, create an experience that is digital by design that is remote by design so that precisely so that the impact of the learning can be extended and spread out and stretched across a longer period of time um, so that people can feel that this isn't just a training where i have to go somewhere time box you know three days of my time um, and it's a different thing to my day job but actually it's part of my day job because I'm in the same environment and actually I'm, I'm creating a little bit of time on a more regular basis um, to work on uh, innovation activities, lean experiments, learning about lean startup methodologies. Um, and, and actually this can help seep into their more BAU mindset more effectively. Um, that's, I feel like, a way to think about how to continue to enable that impact uh, over a longer period of time. Can I actually chip in on this? Because this is really, really interesting to me and it feeds into some of the stuff that I, I do with my own stuff, my own work. Um, I'm really delighted to to hear that uh, with some of your customers, um, you know, you'd be able to pivot from replicating an eight-hour or a three-day event, training event, into something that people can weave into their daily work and their daily lives um so two things on this because this is something that i i'm always always look at ways of how can the training that i deliver on influencing leadership uh can apply to real life events you're doing tomorrow next week rather than here's a separate artificial exercise that you will never go through in reality so it's really interesting to hear that you you're thinking along the same lines would you be able to give us a specific example, obviously without quoting customer names or anything, but can you give us an example of the sort of work you've done um, within a company to, to give us a little case study, a little story that helps us wrap our heads around all these big, big abstract principles that you've been talking about? So I'm trying to think of which uh, which, which case study is probably a good one. Um, so last year, uh, we, we, yeah, this is probably a good one. Um, we ran a innovation program for a company called Pentland Brands. Um, Pentland Brands owns a bunch of different sportswear, uh, fitness, activewear, apparel, and footwear brands. Um, so, for example, Speedo, Berghaus, uh, LS, um, Mitre, Canterbury, the, these, uh, these sort of brands around the sports space. Um, some of them are, are quite big, like Speedo, they, they own. Um, and the work that we did with them uh, was over a, a number of stages. Um, the initial stage was um, helping them to think through um, how to evolve their innovation program that they had already been running for a, a year. Um, ultimately, for them, innovation um, is about new revenue, right? Uh, new revenue streams, whether uh, incremental or more radical, as you put it earlier, James. Um, it, it's, it's about growth. It's growth-focused innovation rather than 
um, the kind of how do we do things more productively and cut costs. Um, at the time, uh, they had been looking uh, into uh, growth opportunities from a perspective of, you know, what, what does the future of sport look like, right? How will um, people weave in more sports and fitness activities into their daily lives? What will be their needs, their behaviors, their preferences? Um, and, and these types of strategic questions to be able to identify um, a need that they, Petland, were best placed or very well placed to be able to fulfill and capitalize on. Um, so what we did with them was uh, initially help them think through that step. So what will the future of sports and, and consumer apparel related to active lifestyles look like? Uh, what will be their needs, their preferences, etc.? Um, and using that to distill down what it was effectively 12 different um, kind of problem or opportunity statements, uh, questions, uh, sort of how might we type questions ultimately uh, that would inform an innovation, uh, kind of a creative innovation process, a ideation and development process, uh, which we then subsequently designed and ran. Um, and, and that process itself, the one where we took those 12 different problems and opportunity statements to create uh, to ideate and then create new uh, propositions off the back of that uh, for Petman to go and actually experiment and validate in the market. That process of creating these 12 propositions was one that involved around 60 to 65 um, of their sort of best and brightest talent across the organization. Um, this was uh, partnering with their sort of HR and talent teams to be able to identify who these 60, 65 people could be um, and to bring them into this program as they were effectively the entrepreneurs, right? Um, for them to understand how these innovation techniques could work, could be used, um, how to ideate, to validate and map their assumptions, um, to form experiments, to uh, test their ideas in the marketplace, and then to actually go out there and do this, to engage in customer discovery um, and to refine their value proposition. Um, there was a, a both a training and a hack process, a sprint process that we designed to, to help them through this, to go from 12 questions, problem statements, to 12 ideas, um, and 12 ideas each with a plan, each with a experimentation plan for them to go out there and use the subsequent two months to, to execute, which they did with, with our support in the form of uh, innovation venture coaching. Um, and then out of those uh, propositions, uh, three actually went on to the next step of being developed, prototyped, um, because they had validated a customer need. There was a real pain point that they were addressing, um, and there could be uh, a way that this becomes uh, monetizable and it does leverage their unique unfair advantages. Um, three other ones that were um, kind of put into the whole, let's continue to do the customer discovery to keep validating, it needs a bit more time. And then um, the rest were uh, invalidated, which is to say the rest they had learnt, um, they had collected customer insights and market insights to prove that actually their initial assumptions were not valid. And so they could use that learning to probably form new ideas or new propositions. So this whole process 
going from the strategic thinking of what are the things we should be trying to solve and innovate on to the more practical, let's create those ideas now that we can you know, take to market and validate. And then the actual execution of that testing and experimentation in the market um, to you know, wrapping it all up and looking at that portfolio of propositions at the end. Um, this, this is probably a, a good example of, of a, a more end-to-end -end kind of process that, that we would take a client through. So we've obviously got a bit of a history now of working together. Um, for those people that might have listened to a previous episode that we recorded with uh, Louise and Jenny from uh, Eastern, uh, you guys were actually the delivery partner for the MedTech Boost program that we ran at the Bradfield Centre last year. So uh, how, did you, how, how did you guys find that experience and how did you go about designing that program with us? Well, I would say this has been a trailing experience, really. Uh, first of all, because of the amazing partners we had, uh, Bradfield Centre, but also Eastern Academic and Science Network. Uh, but secondly, also because... Uh, what was great was to have the opportunity to work with an um, incredibly gifted talent from the Cambridge ecosystem, uh, focused on solving problems of real relevance. So I remember we were focused on how to tackle mental health issues, how to prevent suicide or self-harm, how to detect uh, Alzheimer's uh, uh, before the onset of the disease. So really relevant problems. And so the combination of being able to work on something that matters and having incredibly gifted talent to, uh, to work on these things, it was really gunpowder gun, gun, gun for us. It was, uh, it was really amazing. And I think... Uh, the results speak for themselves. Uh, most of the, the the companies that came out from that week uh, sprint are now uh, progressing with the NHS, uh, they're now receiving funds, or they are running trials. So what has also has been great was to see that this talent, we, we've been able to guide this, uh, this incredible talent to deliver uh, uh, real ventures that will tackle the challenges that we, we started with. Yeah, and Jamie, you touched on, I think, earlier in one of your comments that now more than ever, there's a, a burning need for companies to reevaluate and to innovate. So I guess there's a, there's a positive message for any organizations listening to this um, that, um, you know, they can come and engage and they can work um, with you and us to try and solve those challenges. Yeah, completely. Um, now is probably one of the most critical times um more so than any other time over the last sort of five five or six seven years I, I think the kind of innovation disruption question has been talked a lot um and now all of a sudden is more relevant than ever um the the challenge for organizations now isn't um as simple as it used to be so the one word that we would say that kind of um, encapsulates all of this is is uncertainty right um, and what we mean by that is whereas you always want to organizations always want to have a view of what's going to happen in future and that strategic foresight that planning process is something that they've done time and time again but that process now we feel needs to look quite different um, because some of the fundamental pillars of society 
that uh, you could count on before. Some of the, the, the really basic things like um, daily routines, um, movement, travel. These are the very pillars that have been kind of taken away from under us because of the, 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 the pandemic um, and has thrown that all into uncertainty. So in a way, organizations now, um, especially the ones in industries like retail or education or travel, hospitality, um, or, or any organizations further back along the supply chain um, involved in those industries are probably need to, to think, well, what does the next 12 months look like for me, right? Not let alone what does the next three to five years look? What does the next 12 months look? Because the next 12 months probably feels even more uncertain than five years down the line used to be. Um, so under this sort of environment, um, how they can uh, in collaborate uh, and engage with external entities um, and sort of with startups and entrepreneurs um, and work through innovation programs that can help give them um, a way to explore different future scenarios and think through um, how they can plan for different scenarios of what capabilities and resources they would need and who they would need to collaborate with, how they would need to um, to, to sort of innovate and, and, and experiment their assumptions is quite key. Um, so, so these types of innovation programs, um, working with a, an ecosystem of uh, technology uh, businesses and entrepreneurs, um, I feel like is, is something that uh, we'd, we'd love to, to, to have a conversation about with, with organizations. Thank you so much, guys. It's really interesting uh, hearing about the uh, inter entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship um, uh, journeys that you've uh, been on personally, but also helping other companies uh, with that side of things. Um, do you have any um, say anything you'd like to promote or anything you'd like our audience to know about or perhaps any uh, remote events or anything else that you may have coming up that you want people to know? Oh, yeah. So thanks for asking. We are actually very excited because uh, uh, in July, our entrepreneurship and innovation white paper will be actually published. And it's an important milestone for us because uh, that's the, the place where we collected all the insights and learning and tools and frameworks that we've been using during the last uh, years uh, by working with our clients into a repository where we we are having the opportunity to say uh, what we think about entrepreneurship and how companies can actually make the most of their entrepreneurial uh, talent. So we encourage you to visit our website uh, www.studiozao.com uh, to download the white paper for free. I think it's going to be more than 30 pages, so it's quite a, a meaty white paper and, and it's going to be free. And, and alongside the launch of the white paper, we are, we are going to organize a series of webinars where we will take uh, uh, step after step. We will see uh, how to actually bring to action the insights and the, the tools of the white paper. So why do you need to innovate? Uh, why do you need to entrepreneurship innovation? What are the entrepreneurship innovation, uh, entrepreneurship look like? Uh, and um, uh, what is your actually uh, your stage? So as a company, where are you in the entrepreneurship scale from zero to 10? And, and then eventually, what can you actually do to foster entrepreneurship within your company. So from July, www.studiozao.com, download the white paper and join our webinars. 
and I'd also uh, like to say, obviously, that um, as Davide mentioned earlier, we ran a very successful program called MedTech Boost last year with the Bradfield Center um, together to help local healthcare businesses um, and the NHS to, to innovate. Um, and uh, further innovation programs like that, um, we'd love to, to, to continue to do. Um, and so whether that is in person or whether that is remote, um, we, it, it can all be, you know, uh, worked through. So um, we're, we're looking to, to launch more tech boosts like this together. Well, fantastic. I mean, thanks again, guys, for taking the time to come on today. Really appreciate that. And uh, look forward to more innovation with you moving forward. insightful um, conversation I have to say um, I I was um, particularly interested to hear how they had translated this one to three day uh, immersive experience where it's very much cut and dry you come back to the office and then you carry on with your life into something that becomes part of people daily work and um, something that impacts learning and is stretched longer. So it truly integrates into people's working um, life uh, as COVID uh, impacts more and more um, of workers' um, working experience. So to me, that was really interesting because it, it gives me um, reassurance that what I'm doing is right in my own work. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I really liked Jamie's point around the, the kind of Monday morning problem where you typically go on a training or you go on a program, but you go quickly go back into your day to day routine, right? And nothing changes long term. So I like the way they think about that and how they try to systematically fix that. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then also, you know, the fact that you, you may have already heard Louise and uh, Jenny from Eastern talk about the impact that MedTech Boost had uh, on the way they approach innovation at Eastern. Um, so, you know, these programs and this support is, is you know, available to all. Uh, and, and especially now during these really challenging times, companies should be thinking about how they're innovating and how they're adapting. Thanks again to Jamie and Davide for coming on today's show. Very much appreciated. You can subscribe to the show on all the usual podcasting platforms or you can find us at bradfieldcentre.com under events and community. Music.